باب قول الله تعالى يأتوك رجالا وعلى كل ضامر يأتين من كل فج عميق ليشهدوا منافع لهم باب the statement of Allah the exalted that يأتوك رجالا they will come to you on foot meaning Ibrahim alayhi salam was told that you make the announcement for hajj and when you will do that people will come to you on foot why will they come to you on foot meaning they will travel all the way to perform hajj even if they have to come on foot. وَعَلَى كُلِّ ضَامِرٍ And they will come on every ضَامِر. What is ضَامِر? A lean camel. Meaning a camel that hasn't eaten for days, its stomach has basically gone in, legs are thin, but it's still you know, moving, going on. So this is ضَامِر. And basically this happens to a camel when it has been traveling for a very long time. So ضَامِر indicates that they will be coming from far off places. So they will come ala kulli damirin yatina and these camels will come meaning they will bring the hujjaj min kulli fajjin amiq from every distant road why liyashhadu manafi'a lahum so that they witness the benefits there are for them meaning there are benefits in hajj for the people so they will come for those benefits Imam Bukhari explains fijajan the word fajj Alright, so he brings another word from the Quran, Fijaj, from the same root. He says, الطُرُقُ الْوَاسِعَةِ Fijaj are wide roads. And a road becomes wide when it's used a lot. Right, so, so well-traveled routes. So basically people will come from different places to perform Hajj. And amazing, when Ibrahim ﷺ made the announcement, who lived in Mecca? There was only the Kaaba over there. Right? I mean, nobody lived there. And then, subhanAllah, people come to Hajj from so many different places. When you go there, you wonder, what language is that? Isn't it? There are some languages that you don't even recognize. حدثنا أحمد بن عيسى حدثنا ابن وهب عن يونس عن ابن شهاب أن سالم بن عبد الله أخبره أن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما قال رأيت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يركب راحلته بذي الحليفة so Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhu said that I saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he embarked his camel, his rahila, bidil hulayfa, at dhul hulayfa. Summa yuhillu, then he said the tahlil, meaning the talbiya, hatta tastawiya bihi qa'ima, when it had stood up completely. So basically what he's saying is, that I saw the Prophet ﷺ saying the talbiyah when he was on his camel. And saying the talbiyah means that you are putting on the ihram for hajj. Correct? And Imam Bukhari is bringing this hadith over here. Why? What's the connection between the hadith and the chapter heading? Yes, the mount, the rahila. That in the chapter heading we see, he brings an ayah which says that you can go to hajj. How? On foot? And also on a lean camel. So he's saying the Prophet ﷺ came on a camel. Because some people think that, you know, you should do hajj on foot. There's more virtue in that. But we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he went on a camel. حدثنا إبراهيم أخبرنا الوليد حدثنا الأوزاعي سمع عطاء يحدث عن جابر بن عبد الله رضي الله عنهما أن إهلال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم منزل حليفة 
that the ihlal of meaning the talbiyah of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was from Dhul Hulayfa hina stawat bihi rahilatuhu when his camel stood up completely and istawa is you know basically when how do you sit on a camel you make the camel sit all right you cannot jump on top of a camel the camel sits down all right then when you sit on it and you are stable on it then you make the camel get up all right and as the camel gets up there is a lot of rocking back and forth all right and then finally when it's standing up this is istawa all right so hatta so he says hina stawat bihi rahilatuhu he said the talbiya when the camel had stood up completely rawahu anasun wa ibn abbasin radiyallahu anhum bab alhajj ala arrahli hajj on rahl what is rahl Rahl is what you put on the back of the camel in order to sit comfortably on the camel. Just as you put a saddle on a horse, Rahl is what is put on a camel. Where does this word come in the Quran? That's journeying, Rihlat al-Shita'i. Fi Rahli akhihi. Surah Yusuf. The word Rahl comes in Surah Yusuf because they also traveled on camels to go buy their food from Egypt. So rahl is what's put on a camel. So what is Imam Bukhari trying to prove over here? That you go to Hajj, you travel to Hajj from a far off place, all right, and you have to take a means of transportation. And that means of transportation does not have to be very lavish, nor does it have to be very uncomfortable. All right. And this is important to make clear because some people think that if you're going for Hajj, you have to go in the most simple way possible. Right. Get the most uncomfortable sandals, the thinnest ihram that you can find. Right. And get the cheapest hotels and stay as far as possible. Walk as much as you have to and don't enjoy the Hajj basically. Whereas we see that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he rode a camel and on the camel there was also a comfortable cushion right or saddle or something like that so your journey is easy so having an easy journey is not against taqwa all right nor is it contrary to humility so for example if a person goes for hajj and you know for some part of the sari they want to get a wheelchair would that be wrong would that be contrary to humility and taqwa no there is nothing wrong because The purpose of sari is what that you remember Allah and you go between these two places but if your feet are hurting so much that you're not able to concentrate on the adhkar and you're just waiting to get over hajj right or over that ritual then what's the point right so the ease and the conveniences that are available to a person if he uses them to make his hajj comfortable is there anything wrong with that no there isn't this is not against taqwa and also remember that a camel is simple compared to a horse right it's simpler compared to a horse so again there is a hint over here that hajj does not have to be too lavish that you wait to get the gold package or what there's different packages right i don't know the details but you understand the point وقال ابانو حدثنا مالك بن دينار عن القاسم بن محمد عن عائشه رضي الله عنها ان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بعث معها اخاها عبد الرحمن عائشه رضي الله عنها narrated that the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam sent with her her brother abdurrahman who was he 
the son of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. So he sent him with her, فَأَعْمَرَهَا مِنَ التَّنْعِيمِ And then he uh, took her for Umrah from Tan'im. وَحَمَلَهَا عَلَى قَتَبِ And he made her, meaning he made her sit on a Qatab. Qatab is a kind of a saddle. وَقَالَ عُمَرُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ شُدُّ الرِّحَالَ فِي الْحَجِّ And Umar رضي الله عنه said, that tie your rihal. Rihal as in, it's the plural of rahil. That tie them, fasten them on the camels. في الحج for حج فإنه أحد الجهادين because it is one of the two jihads. Meaning hajj is also very important. Now, when did this happen? Remember that when the Prophet ﷺ went for hajj, all of his wives were with him also. And Aisha radiallahu anha, she was not able to perform certain rituals. She wasn't able to perform tawaf. And so she went with her brother, Abdul Rahman, to Tanreen, put on her ihram from there, and then went back and did her tawaf. So here Imam Bukhari brings this narration to show that, وَحَمَلَهَا عَلَى قَتَبٍ He made her sit on a qatab, which is a kind of a rahl. وَحَدَّثَنَا مُحَمَّدُ بْنُ أَبِي بَكْرٍ حَدَّثَنَا يَزِيدُ بْنُ زُرَيْعٍ حَدَّثَنَا عَزْرَةُ بْنُ ثَابِتٍ عَنْ سُمَامَةَ بْنِ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ بْنِ أَنَسٍ قَالَ حَجَّ أَنَسٌ عَلَى رَحْلٍ He said, Anas رضي الله عنه did hajj on a rahl. وَلَمْ يَكُنْ شَحِيحًا And he was not a stingy person. He was not stingy. And you see, Anas رضي الله عنه, the Prophet for blessing in his wealth and his children and also his life right so he lived very long and he was also wealthy so he was not a miser and that was his lifestyle so he ensured that he sat comfortably on his camel wahaddatha anna rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama hajja ala rahlin wa kanat zamilatahu and he narrated that the Prophet ﷺ had gone on Hajj, sitting on a saddle with his baggage alongside him. Zamila is baggage. Haddathana Amr ibn Aliyin, Haddathana Abu Asimin, Haddathana Ayman ibn Nabilin, Haddathana Al Qasim ibn Muhammadin, An Aisha radiallahu anha, Annaha qalat, Ya Rasulallah, Aisha radiallahu anha said, That O Messenger of Allah, I'atamartum walam a'atamir. You all have done Umrah, and I have not. فَقَالَ So he said, يَا عَبْدَ الرَّحْمَانِ اِذْهَبْ بِأُخْتِكَ فَأَعْمِرْهَا مِنَ التَّنْعِيمِ So he said, O Abdul Rahman, take your sister and have her do Umrah from Tan'im. فَأَحْقَبَهَا عَلَى نَاقَةٍ فَاعْتَمَرَتْ So he made her sit on a naqa and then she performed Umrah. So all of these narrations show that it is permissible to use saddle. Alright? And these days, of course, you won't use a saddle. But... What will you use? Whatever you can afford. Alright? Any means of transportation or anything that makes your hajj easy and convenient. Alright? And that is completely permissible. Anything you'd like to say? Yes. I mean, skateboard or hoverboard. Hmm? Nothing wrong with that. It's not against taqwa. I mean, if it comforts your feet, why not? What does this cushion saddle thing on the camel show that you want to sit comfortably because you're you're going for ibadah all right but of course some people when they go for hajj or umrah their main concern is shopping and kfc uh, halal food that should not be the goal or the plane right that should not be the goal the goal is ibadah and everything else is for 
you know, it's a means to help you perform your worship, inshallah. Bab number four, Bab Fadlil Hajjil Mabrur. The virtue of Hajj Mabrur. Hajj Mabrur is an accepted Hajj. That's how it's generally translated. But the word Mabrur is from Bir. And Bir is a righteous action, good deed. So Mabrur is that which is full of good deeds. So Al-Hajjul Mabrur is a righteous Hajj. You see, because just as there are levels of fasting, one person fasts, their only goal is to just make it survive till iftar time, right? Another person fasts, they're concerned about performing their prayers on time and doing some extra dhikr. Another person goes and they do irtikaf in the masjid. There are levels of fasting. And just like that, there are levels of people's hajj also. A lot of people go for hajj, but everyone doesn't perform hajj in the same way. Right? Some people are very focused on worship, making sure that they perform all the rituals properly on time. And other people are more laid back. Right? They're only caught up with why the food is not here and so on and so forth. Who they're going to sue. I remember that's what happened with us. We went for hajj and our food didn't show up. I think for two days. Because the person who was required to bring the food was stuck in traffic and the food got, you know, it wasn't good enough to bring anymore. Of course, if it's been sitting in the heat for so long and uh, exactly got spoiled and we basically didn't have a proper meal for a day and a half. And uh, I remember my dad walked all the way to the only chicken place in Mina and they were out of chicken over there. So there was no food. And people were talking about, in Mina, people, they were talking about who they were going to sue and who was going to fight who. This was the entire discussion at Mina. Subhanallah. And mashallah, at the same time, there were some people who were just busy doing ibadah. Right? All they could find was just water bottles or juice boxes and, and dates. And that's what they were surviving on, zamzam water. And their entire focus was on the dhikr of Allah. Because that's what mina is for, right? The dhikr of Allah and also eating and drinking. So the food wasn't there, but at least the dhikr could be done. So people do hajj in different ways, right? So what is the virtue of al-hajjul mabrur, which is full of good deeds, which is a very good hajj, an excellent hajj? So some scholars say mabrur means maqbul, accepted hajj. And others say that hajj al-mabrur is the hajj in which there is no sin. The hajj in which there is no sin. What kind of sin could a person possibly commit at hajj? Okay, vain talk, what else? Any kind of sin. You know, for example, lying right, or fighting, uh, using ab- abusive language, pushing and shoving. And then we see, for example, the incident where uh, the the woman came asking a question and she began looking at Al-Fadl and Al-Fadl began looking at her. So this is also a fitna. Because where there's so many people, you know, and if a person is just concerned about who is here and who looks like what, then they're distracted from the main purpose of hajj. So mabrur hajj is a hajj in which there is no sin, that you control yourself so much for those five, six days that no, I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to raise my voice. I'm not going to hurt anybody. حدثنا عبد العزيز بن عبد الله حدثنا إبراهيم بن سعد عن الزهري عن سعيد بن المسيب عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه 
قالسو الى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم سو ابو هريره reported that the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was asked that اي الاعمال افضل which of the actions is afdal meaning which action is the best qala he said imanun billahi wa rasulihi to believe in allah and his messenger that is the best action qila then it was said thumma then what thumma madha then what meaning after iman then which deed is the best qala he said jihadun fi sabilillah to strive in the way of allah qila It was said, ثُمَّ مَاذَا Then which deed is the best? قَالَ He said, حَجٌ مَبْرُورٌ An accepted hajj. So we see that the best deed after iman is what kind of hajj? Hajj مَبْرُور This is a big deal. Because I mean, you're taking so much time, you're exerting so much effort, you're spending so much money, so you want to do hajj in the best way. Remember that people who go for hajj are the guests of Allah. People who go for hajj are the guests of Allah. Uh, in another hadith we learn, which is in Ibn Majah, that the Prophet ﷺ said, Al-Ghazi fi sabilillah wal-hajju wal-mu'tamiru wafdullah. That the fighter in the way of Allah, the person who is doing hajj, and the person who is doing umrah, they are the wafd of Allah. Meaning, a delegation. Like, remember the wafd, the different wufud would go to meet the Prophet ﷺ? So they come as guests. So they are the guests of Allah. He called them and they answered him. They responded to him. And when they will ask him, he will give them. So this is the best deed after Iman. حدثنا عبد الرحمن بن المبارك حدثنا خالد أخبرنا حبيب بن أبي عمرة عن عائشة بنت طلحة عن عائشة أم المؤمنين رضي الله عنها قالت يا رسول الله Aisha radiallahu anha said, O Messenger of Allah, نَرَ الْجِهَادَ أَفْضَلَ الْعَمَلِ We see that jihad is the best deed. أَفَلَا نُجَاهِدْ Should we not do jihad? And she's asking as a woman. قَالَ The Prophet sallallahu said, لا, no. لَكِنَّ أَفْضَلَ الْجِهَادِ حَجٌ مَبْرُورٌ But the best jihad is حَجٌ مَبْرُورٌ An accepted hajj. Now, earlier also we learned that Umar radiallahu anhu said that hajj is one of the two jihads. Correct? So, why is hajj called jihad? What's the connection? Okay, good. That when people go for jihad, like they go fight an enemy, this is what you are exerting a, a great deal of physical effort, first of all, to go and to participate in that battle and to fight the enemy. Then you have to spend your wealth also. You have to fight against your nafs also. It takes a great deal of courage. right? You have to overcome your fear. And just like that, to go for hajj, you have to exert your physical ability. You have to use your money also. You have to overcome your fear. Some people don't like to travel. The best place is what? Your home. right? The best place to be is the comfort of your home. right? So hajj is very similar to Jihad. In jihad, you're fighting against the enemy, and in hajj, you're fighting against your nafs constantly. I mean, when you go for hajj, and even if you're staying at a good hotel in Mecca, for example, you miss home. Isn't it? I mean, you miss basic things. When you get stuck in traffic, and things like that, when you're not able to read the signs, you know, there's discomfort in travel. This is why the Prophet ﷺ said that travel is a piece of punishment. 
it's a form of punishment because no matter how easy your travel is, there is difficulty in it. So Hajj is a kind of jihad. In a hadith we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said that jihad al-kabiri wal-sagiri wal-da'ifi wal-mar'ati. So the jihad of the young, sagir, those who are too young, da'if, who is da'if? One who is weak. Wal-mar'a, woman. Alright, and first he mentioned jihad al-kabir. Kabir is an, a very old person. So he said that, that the jihad of all these people is al-hajju wal-umrah. It is hajj and umrah. So we see that Aisha radiallahu anha expressed her wish to participate in jihad and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that best jihad is hajjum mabrur. حدثنا آدم حدثنا شعبة حدثنا سيار أبو الحكم قال سمعت أبا حازم قال سمعت أبا هريرة رضي الله عنه قال سمعت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said من حج لله فلم يرفث ولم يفسق رجع كيوم ولدته أمه The person who performs Hajj for the sake of Allah and then he does not perform any rafath. Inshallah, we'll look at that. وَلَمْ يَفْسُقْ And he doesn't do any fisk. Then he will return like the day that his mother gave birth to him. Meaning he will return completely pure and free of sin. But when? Imam Bukhari is explaining what Hajj Mabrur is now with this hadith. When? When he does not do any rafith and any fisk. Rafith is Sexual contact, so remember that in ihram a person is not allowed to do that, so he abstains from any such thing. And also, fisk. Fisk is sin. Crossing any limit, meaning for every matter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set a limit, and exceeding that limit, crossing that would be overstepping the boundaries and committing sin. So basically a person respects all the limits that have been set. The limits for the eyes, for the gaze, for the thinking, for one's speech, all of that. So then a person will be forgiven. Go ahead. You have to watch your thinking also. A good point. I mean, the thoughts are not always in your control. But it is in your control whether you choose to dwell on those thoughts or you decide to control them and change your thinking. Allah says in the Quran that that some assumptions are actually sinful. Because when you make a negative assumption about someone, that they have a problem with me. And one is that you dwell on that thought, that, yeah, you know what, this is why she said that, and this is why she behaved like that. And the other is that you say, you know what, whatever. You know, her deeds for her, my deeds for me, and you move on. That's fine. But if you dwell on those thoughts, then they will lead you to sin, and they will become sinful eventually. So thoughts also we have to watch. Uh, there is a few hadith about the virtues of Hajj which I would like to mention because the topic uh, changes after this. We're going to go into the mawaqit of Hajj and Umrah. Mawaqit are basically the places from where you begin the ihram. And that's a little technical. Inshallah, I want to show you the map for that. But there's some hadith about the virtue of Hajj, which are not all in Sahih Bukhari. So just want to go over them quickly, Inshallah. So first of all, we see over here the benefit of Hajj Mabrur. And the benefit of Hajj Mabrur is, in these ahadiths, what do we learn? That a person's sins are forgiven. And that it is like jihad. And that it is the best deed after iman. Remember that when a person goes for Hajj, 
then inshallah their duas are also accepted. In a hadith, we learned this hadith is in Ibn Majah. The Prophet ﷺ said that Al-Hujjaju wal-Umaru wafdullah. That the Hujjaj, those who go for Hajj, those who go for Umrah, are the guests of Allah. If they call upon Him, He will answer them. And if they seek forgiveness from Him, He will forgive them. So a lot of times, you know, we face certain hurdles in, in our lives. You know, for example, a person is, they want to get married and they cannot find any suitable person, a person wants to, you know, succeed in their business, in their career. Likewise, when it comes to children or, or any other matter, you know, we face difficulties. And because Hajj Mabrur brings forgiveness. And a lot of times our sins become a barrier for receiving blessings. So Hajj is a way and Umrah also is a way of having our du'as accepted. So if Hajj is too expensive, the option of Umrah is also there. Also, Hajj causes all previous sins to be forgiven. There's a hadith in Sahih Muslim in which we learn that وَأَنَّ الْحَجَّ يَهْدِمُ مَا كَانَ قَبْلَهُ That Hajj demolishes whatever that was before it. يَهْدِمُ Hadim is to demolish a building. So all of the sins and you know any sinful record is destroyed. It's finished because of Hajj. It brings forgiveness to a person. Also, we learned that when a person goes for Hajj, then for every step that they take, they're rewarded. Imagine, every step. And sometimes it's the walking at Hajj that we are really afraid of. People talk about getting blisters on their feet and so on and so forth. In a hadith we learn, and this is in Sahih al-Jamir al-Sagheer, that any step that is taken for Hajj, a good deed is written, and a sin is erased, and a level is increased. So three benefits. Also, when people do Hajj and Umrah consecutively, one after the other, then this removes poverty and sins. It removes poverty and sins. In a hadith we learned, the Prophet ﷺ said, أَدِيمُ الْحَجَّ وَالْعُمْرَةِ that continue to perform Hajj and Umrah again and again because they remove al-faqr wa dhunub. Now a person might think, well, if you're going for Hajj and Umrah every other year or every five years, you're not going to save any money. That's what it seems like. But because of Hajj and because of Umrah, inshallah, there will be blessing in your money because Allah is the raziq. Right? So inshallah, the doors of risk will open. Also in another hadith we learned that uh, continue to do Hajj and Umrah one after the other because they remove poverty and sins just as the bellows remove filth. You know, for example, to clean certain things you have to put them in heat, right? In a furnace. So just as the furnace removes filth, like that Hajj and Umrah erase sins and poverty. Also we learn in a hadith that the person who does Hajj is in the protection of Allah. And if a person goes for hajj and they die, they're not able to complete their hajj and return home safely, then they will come on the Day of Judgment saying the talbiyah. لبيك اللهم لبيك. And remember that if a person has done hajj, and inshallah that hajj is accepted, then if for some other sins they end up in hellfire, they will be removed from hellfire because of their hajj. So hajj is one of those actions which bring a person out of hellfire. Because we learned that 
some believers will say on the day of judgment about some of their friends who are in the fire. They will say, our Lord, they used to fast with us and they used to pray and they used to do hajj. So they will intercede for them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, bring them out. Meaning, akhriju man araftum. Bring out from the fire whoever that you recognize. So when a person does hajj, then inshallah this is one of the things that will bring them out of the fire. And there are other virtues as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to perform hajj again and again in our lives. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to perform hajj mabrur. I mean, and just as we learned about sadaqatul fitr, that, you know, there's a difference between knowing about sadaqatul fitr and not knowing about sadaqatul fitr, right? I'm sure you felt, uh, you wished you knew about sadaqatul fitr. And inshallah, with the same intention, we want to learn about hajj so that the next time we have the opportunity to go, we do it in the best way possible, inshallah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.